0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the No Judgment Zone. I am Judge Adrian, your host for the next hour. While the topics are curated, the conversations are organic. I'm excited to have you join my guests and me as we discuss politics, current events, arts, and entertainment. Kick back, stay a while. You won't regret it. Welcome to the No Judgment Zone. I am Judge Adrian Lloyd. Thank you so much for joining me as I interview Beverly Jenkins. She is the most amazing writer. <laughs> She's so talented and gifted and certainly a gift to us. I hope that you'll go out and support her. She actually has a book coming out on the 23rd of August. Right now it's available for pre-order. And one of the ways in which um, Ms. Bev said that we can support her and other writers is by pre-ordering. So please get out, pre-order her book for yourself and a friend because you don't want to talk about it. This latest book is called To Catch a Raven. I have a picture on my cell phone of the um, cover art. For those of you who are listening, you can catch this on YouTube. This is going to be on YouTube, so you'll have an opportunity to see, but this is the cover art. Yes, my phone is cracked. <laughs> and I refuse to buy a new one until I have to. So it works. I'm working with it, so long as it works with me. But you can pre-order on HC, <laughs> Amazon, Walmart, Barnes and Noble, BAM, and bookshop, as well as I'm sure a host of other platforms. Make sure you get out there and check it out. If you've never read, if you've never read a Beverly Jenkins book, first of all, number one, don't tell anybody that, and then number two, run, don't walk, to your nearest cell phone, iPad, laptop, Barnes and Noble. Make sure you order. You will be hooked. I guarantee it. If you know Miss Taraji P. Henson, holler at her, let her know. Miss Bev wants her to play Jesse. That's a role she would absolutely love. And I think Taraji would be phenomenal in that. So make sure you let her know Ms. Bev is looking for her. <laughs> and um, there was something else I wanted to mention. Yes, you know, I didn't really become familiar really with romance novels until I think in my late teens and my aunt Telza, had a collection of romance novels. And uh, she, has, she has passed away, God bless her. But I remember she's an avid reader. She reminds me, Beverly Jenkins reminds me so much of my aunt, my mom's older sister. And um, I know if my aunt Telza were still here, she would be such a huge fan. So I want to dedicate this interview, this podcast, to my aunt Telza. Kisses to heaven. And um, I want to thank you again for tuning in to the No Judgment Zone with Judge Adrian Lloyd. If you didn't know, I'm Ann's daughter. Bye.
1: Hello. Hello. How are you? I am doing well. How are oh, you? I am
0: wonderful. It's such a pleasure to make your acquaintance. Same here. Same here. Oh my goodness! I'm thrilled. I'm actually um, wrapping up one of one of your mini books that I've read. Okay. And, which
1: one? Oh, do you remember? Remember which one it is?
0: Oh yeah, I am actually uh, wrapping up Midnight. Oh okay. Yeah, so I'm getting so I have some questions about that. Okay, but, American Revolution. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So, but before we get started, I just wanted to introduce you to uh, our listeners. This is the wonderful, talented, highly esteemed, award-winning author, Beverly (laughs) Jenkins, who has agreed to join us today. I am over the moon and so honored that she would take time out of her schedule to speak with us regarding her works and uh, her experiences and some of the plans that she has for the future. So, Ms. Jenkins, may I call you Beverly? Beverly? Please do. Okay, wonderful. So, Beverly, I'm so excited Uh, once again. It's such a pleasure. Um, I am uh, just so honored. I wanted to ask you a little bit about um, where you're from. Can you give us a little bit of your background? I'm from the east side of Detroit. Oh, okay. And you're still in Michigan. You're in Michigan currently.
1: Yeah, I'm still in Michigan. I'm about, oh, maybe 45 minutes west of the city. So I'm in between Ann Arbor and uh, Detroit. So, oh. yeah. Okay. I've been here all my life. Don't live anywhere else. Yeah.
0: There's something about home, right? That, that is. N- nothing Dorothy, can replicate it. I yeah, understand. Dorothy was, Dorothy was right. There's and no you, place like home. No place <laughs> like home. Absolutely. So did you go to school in Michigan?
1: Yeah, went to school in Michigan. Um A proud product of the Detroit Public Schools. Um, Went to Michigan State University. Um, And from there, uh, libraries were my thing. I worked in the graduate library for years and and then for a private pharmaceutical company, their library. So uh, books have always been my thing. I got that from my mom and my dad both of them were avid readers so but i'm the oldest of seven um sisters and brothers are all in detroit except for one who's in he's in texas but the rest of us are still here large family mom had six brothers and sisters i have six brothers and sisters so i got 21 first cousins and oh my goodness they all have kids so you know we had to book a pretty big place when we all get together, but nothing like family either, you know?
0: Yeah, it sounds a lot like my maternal side, my mother. Uh, there were eight of them, so mm-hmm. we have lots of first cousins, and it, it was always a blast, everybody always. getting together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And did your love of writing start early on, or was it something that I hadn't later? I hadn't planned
1: on being a writer. Okay, this is something I just stumbled into.
0: How did um, you stumble into that, this wonderful I, gift?
1: I um, I had always dabbled with writing. Um, I was the editor of my elementary school newspaper in the fourth grade. Um, but my thing was libraries. That's all I ever wanted to do was work in a library.
0: Okay.
1: Um, And I was working at the pharmaceutical place in the 80s, and one of my colleagues um, had written a romance and she had gotten published with a small press and we were celebrating her. And I was just telling her about the story that I was writing on for just for me because the market was closed, uh, basically for, for writers of mass market fiction in the United States. So, um, and there had only been a couple, and this was even before that, but, before the market opened up a little bit in the 90s but i was just working on this room it was a love story i'd always loved a good love story um i read everything growing up i was one of those kids that read everything in the in the neighborhood library from the little kids books to the teen books to the adult mm-hmm. books mm-hmm. um so i was working on this story with a buffalo soldier and a school teacher from Oberlin who'd gotten her education at Oberlin because that was the only, basically the only place we could continue our education, you know, uh, for the race. And um, so I was writing a story about them. And so she wanted to see it, my girlfriend, my, my okay. colleague at, at, at work. I wanted to tell her about it. So she, I brought it in and, and she said, you know, you really should get this published. And I'm like, yeah, right. Where, you know? Um, But I did find an agent not too soon after that.
0: Oh, that's amazing. On your first book.
1: Yeah. You know, but it didn't you know, it still took us, I don't know, two and a half, three years to sell it. Okay. Because New York didn't know what to do with it. Um, In their mind and probably in the mind of most of the United States, America folks who read any story uh, set in the 19th century with black people should have been about slavery, right, right? Right. Trauma, pain, you know, sadness, bitterness, all that. And so here I come with a, a romance that in an all-Black town on the plains of Kansas with a Buffalo soldier and a, and a school teacher. And they didn't know what to do with it because there was no box for that. And I got a ton of rejections. Like, you know, regardless of what you're writing the first time, you're going to, you know, get a lot of rejections.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But a lot of the letters said great writing, great writing, great writing. But and that but had to do with well, what do we do with this? We don't right. know, you know, so. But um, on June 3rd, 1993, which was my late husband's birthday, mm-hmm. um, I got what do we call a call from uh, one of the biggest at that time, one of the biggest romance publishers in the world, uh, Avon Books. And uh, so the book came out as Night Song, that first book, came out in 1994, um, along with the Black women who were writing for Arabesque. They were under the Kensington um, Publishing House, and they were writing contemporaries. So we call it the Summer of Black Love. You had my historical and you had... I think there were. I think they released five. Arabesque did five that first summer, I think. Um, and so here we are, 28 years later, and a lot of those ladies are still riding, and I'm still riding too. And you're so. still doing it. I'm um, doing. You know, hey, I'm doing it. Sister got to pay a light bill, right? Got to pay a house note. So, um, and I love what I do, so.
0: I just, and and we love what you do, we, you know, we're your fans are really so enthused um, and we're always so excited when something new is coming out from you, you know, you're so prolific. And um, I, I, I thought it was interesting. I think I read in an interview that you've done where you talked about uh, how your husband was so supportive in your writing and your work.
1: Yeah. And yeah. I thought
0: that was beautiful. And I, And I'm wondering, is that reflected uh, in some of your characters? I love the way the men in the book seem to always encourage the women in their lives to be all they can be. And, you know, there's not this, you know, this push and pull so much in terms of who they are.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, you know, there are a lot of black men out there who are that way.
0: Oh, you know, after was, this, can you please give me some numbers? When we that's what everybody uh, tells me, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, you know, I know some, you know, just some incredible men who are married to incredible women. And they are never given their flowers.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: You know, all we see in mass, in in the mass media, and a lot of times in, in, in literature, you know, are the ones you want to run over with your car. You know, we don't we don't see the 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 black men who are supporting their wives and who court their wives and and bring them flowers and gas up their car and yes. and, and, and and raise their kids to be kings and queens and yes. you know are putting in that extra to make sure that the family's okay. We don't see that a lot. We in fact we rarely see it. You rarely see so um my husband was all about that. Um he made sure that, you know, I had what I needed. Um, and I always tell people that when I first started writing, uh, I had my hand in his pocket <laughs> down to his socks. You know, and and his whole thing was, you know, well, you know, how do I how do I help? You know, um,
0: oh, that's awesome.
1: Yeah. Well, that first um, the first book, and I had to do a quick run around, turn around on revisions and stuff. And I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And he, and I was a stay at home mom. No, I was working part time at that time. And, you know, he came in, you know, in his suit after working, you know, 60, 80 hours a week because he was a contract negotiator, labor negotiator. Um, and he cooked dinner and he picked up the kids and, you know, did all of the stuff that, you know, the mom does so that I could, you know, figure out what the heck I was doing with this book. Um, And then I lost him in 03 to cancer. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I will be forever, ever grateful to have had him in my life because he, he is sort of the model for the men that I write about because, you know, you know, and, and if you look at couples that you see over time, you know, you get those, that little old couple at church who've been married for, you know, 55 years who are still holding hands after service, walking to the car, you know? So, you know, that model is out there, but it's not, it's very, very rarely highlighted in talking about uh, our race and our culture and how we relate to each other as men and as men and women. So, so, you know, it's a whole lot. And like I said, there's a man out there, you know, you don't even want to (laughs) know, but The ones who are doing it right and stepping up, um, those are the ones I want to I want to highlight because nobody's carrying their banner. So,
0: yes, yeah. And I appreciate that so much when I, you know, when I read your work and I, and I heard you say that in your interview and you spoke so highly of your husband and, mm-hmm. you know, God bless him. I think that's so beautiful. And, yeah. you know, it, it's definitely a, a theme that I see that runs throughout your your stories. With your, yeah. You
1: and, know, you know, and it's not you know, just characters. my stories. I mean, you're going to get that model, maybe, you know, in different occupations and maybe in, in different, you know, whatever's uh, tropes. But you get that model in black romance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I think that's that's one of the reasons. Uh, many of us write black romance in that way is, you know, because these women are married to these great guys. You yes. Know? But, you know, there were days and I wanted to bury his ass in the back. <laughs> and sure, there were days when he wanted to bury my, you know, he my ran, ass in the back. <laughs> you know, but, you know, it's about a partnership and it's about you know, trying to be the best you can be for them, yes. just like he's trying to be the best for you. And, as, you know, love is hard. Yeah, is hard. it's hard work.
0: It's, work. it's hard. It's hard.
1: Yeah. So, but so. I was blessed to have a great guy.
0: Absolutely. And what a legacy. And I'm going to just jump around a little bit because I'm really excited. So okay. one of the things that I, um, I really tried to do, especially in preparing for this interview, was just to really just you know, focus and really pray because I wanted it to be something that would be wonderful for the listeners, but also a good experience for you. And, you know, I started to think about your work and I started to think about, you know, these um, books that were now becoming, uh, you know, movies and Netflix and all these other kinds of things. And so I'm thinking about that. And I'm like, yeah, we need to make sure, you know, know. make sure I talk about that because we need to champion this. And then I see an interview that you did for Entertainment Weekly. Yeah. And in fact, one of your books, I, is it, um, I know there are two. One is, one is, is Night Song?
1: No, one is Forbidden. 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 Um, Sony um, optioned it. Okay. We thought we had a green light and then the pandemic hit. And the people who had given it the green light, You know scattered in the wind okay Um, and so we are now out of option with them so you know it's like we're back on the block again so you're back on the block Uh, this this
0: is something i i feel is so important because just like you're talking about the way in which the image of the black man is being portrayed i think it's so important that we show uh show that on the small and the large screen as well and I don't know. I watched Bridgerton. I enjoyed it. I really did. I suspect they read some of your books. <laughs> yeah. Well, Julia,
1: Julia Julia and I share a publisher. Okay. And she and I have, I think she was signed maybe just a couple years after me, but her Bridgerton series has been bestselling since first book. Yeah. So, um, I doubt that she copied any of my stuff because <laughs> her stuff is is set in a different era and but you know women in romance use the same tropes kind of thing
0: it gives the um, same
1: feeling the same it's feeling very yeah
0: similar kind right. of yeah. I, you know and
1: yeah so no no I I I didn't, she didn't copy off me and I definitely did not copy off her.
0: Well, I noticed that your book came out, your book started first. It, I think yeah. Bridgeton came out in 2000, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. and I could be wrong, but yeah. so I'm not going to say.
1: Yeah, no, not, no, 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 like no. no,
0: no. Ret- I'll retract that. <laughs> no, no,
1: no, not, not even close. Um, but Al Roker, I have a, uh, I think, what is 11 books not working on book 11? I have a small town series that is set in the same town that my first book, Nine Song, takes place. Okay. So Nine Song takes place in like 1878, somewhere around in there. So the Blessing series- Yes. T- takes place in that same town.
0: Okay. But it's the
1: 21st century. Yes. So uh, Al Roker, and it's a small town series, found families, uh, at-risk kids, foster mm-hmm. kids. Al Roker has optioned that. Oh, wow. Um, Hopefully, you know, we've been talking and they've been talking and we've been just sitting back trying not to go, hurry up. Um, (laughs) But supposedly they're close to uh, getting this started.
0: Oh, it's a fantastic series. It is
1: a great series. Oh, my
0: gosh. The story is
1: awesome. Yeah. and, and, And one of the great things about that series is that everybody's reading it you know, black women, black men, uh, teenagers, because of the five kids that are in the story. I got a a email from a a white retired um, Marine drill sergeant. Okay. And he sent me an email and he said, "Miss Bev, I I know your publisher um, doesn't think I'm part of your demographics. He said, but I love these damn (laughs) books. And then there's an older I don't know why I'm saying older. I'm old too, but there's an older white guy down in Arkansas who has a radio show. And wears a big white hat, and his wife turned him on to the series. Ah. He follows me on Twitter, and I don't remember which book it was. He's read the whole series. I don't remember which book it was, but he 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 he, he tweeted, "Miss Babby, you shouldn't be making old white guys cry."
0: <laughs> you
1: know? So so you know it, it's it's a. And the church ladies, you know, lots of church groups yeah. are reading this. So I'm hoping that they can get all the paperwork and everything signed on a dotted line. And, you know, the T's crossed and the I's dotted and start casting oh, so I that we can so. get. Yeah. But I want my romances on stage, too. You know, I've been yelling the last couple of days about because You know, the readers, they have, you know, they've got all of the books cast already. Right. He, he plays one I and all that right, right. <laughs> yeah because i want to to play oh, jesse rose yeah you know, uh, one of my westerns um, oh she, she would be, be awesome i think she would be a fantastic jesse rose clayton so yes you know shotgun at all so yes but you know if it doesn't get any better than this it's okay it's okay who would ever thought a little colored girl from the east side of detroit would have such a blessed life
0: yeah you know
1: so i'm i'm content i'm not gonna stop writing regardless of what happens
0: right right no you can't stop writing i think we would all just come to Detroit, and check on me <laughs> What's <going> on? <laughs> but yeah. I, I, I really sense that this is going to go to, to, uh, the big and small screens. It's certainly worthy. And it's, yeah. you know, there's stories that we, we really want to he- you. We want to see it. We want to yeah. see it. We want to see these stories and, um, be able to you know, go to the theater and and go to Netflix and just, you know, and and see them. It's just, they're so full of information in addition to the wonderful romances. And I want to ask you, so given the fact that you're, you're, you were a library kid as was Uh I, but this whole um, sharing of information, it's another level that, you know, um makes the book so you know important yeah. and exciting, just the way in which you're sharing information, this all this history. Yeah. And the way you tell the, the story of you know the history of uh you know uh, how black people participated in you know in their own liberation in right yeah fighting for um for, you know, a life here, a stake in uh, this America that 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 we built. Talk a little bit about how you decided to make that a recurring uh, theme in your stories, as well as how you do your research, your background, because you pull some nuggets. And I'm like, oh, let me go. Let me go look this up. This is yeah.
1: <laughs> I call it uh, edutainment.
0: Yes. Uh,
1: entertainment and education.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, people say knowledge is power. And it is. It is. But if you don't share it, you know, it doesn't empower anybody but you. Right. So that's why you get the biblist, the bibliography in the back. So, like you said, you know, you want to look up stuff. Um, I'll give you the sites and the the citations and the books that I use. But, you know, my mother was black before it was fashionable.
0: Okay. So
1: (laughs) I, I grew up with black history in my home. From day one, I mean, she would read to me in the womb. And <laughs> cute little story. She said that um, when I was little, you know, still in the quote unquote, still in the crib or crawling around on the floor, right? Um, she would buy me these little cloth books. And of course, I couldn't read them, but I would eat the pages. Right. <laughs> and she would say, eat those words, baby. Eat those words, baby. So. She's responsible for this. Yes. Um, and I had to do something with all those words I had eaten as did. a toddler. But she was very, very focused on who she was uh, in the United States when she was, because she was born and bred in, in Detroit. She'll tell you, I don't know nothing about the South. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm a city girl. And the Detroit Public Library, when she was growing up, because she was born in 1929, we just lost her. Two years ago.
0: Oh my condolences.
1: Yeah, she had a long life, yes. and she read the whole time. Oh wow! Um,
0: God bless her. When
1: she was growing up, uh, the Detroit public schools were, a uh, Detroit public library was segregated, <clears throat> so that, um, unlike some places in the South, where if you were a black person, you couldn't even go in the building. You know, here they let you go in the building, but you couldn't take the books home.
0: Oh, okay. You had
1: to, re- you know. Which is really only a little bit better, right? Right. So, but she she never let that deter her. You know, they 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 didn't have the black books, uh, Conte Cullen and and, and, and you know, Langston Hughes and all the rest. They didn't have them shelved in with the rest of the books. They had them behind the counter. You had to ask for them. Oh. Yeah. So, she said. You know, she'd ask for her books and she'd sit there in the library and she would be there for hours just reading, you know. So by the time I got my first library card and it must have been 58 or 59 because I was born in 51. um, It was no longer segregated. And you could bring home as many books and she didn't care what we read. You know, as long as we were reading, she didn't care. So all of that goes into my stories yes that pride that she gave me you can be anything you want to be you can do anything you want to do you can achieve you know whatever because we are the most cleverest and the and the and the and the the best educated uh part of this country there's more black women in college right now than any other demographic.
0: Any other group. Yes. You know, and so when true. you
1: and when you educate a woman, you educate a race. Right. So I take all of that and all of the history that I've learned over time. When I worked at the graduate library at MSU back in back when the earth was cool, uh, <laughs> mid 70s. They had a full uh, a full set of the Journal of Negro History. And so I would take, you know, armfuls of those and go out. There's a, a river that runs through the campus. Um, I'd sit on a Red Cedar River. I just look through because, you know, I am my mama, you know, and I'm looking, you know, and little did I know that those articles that I read in 1974 and 75 would be the basis for the history
0: yeah.
1: that I'm putting in my historical romance, you know, 25 years later. You know, uh, you know true, life is strange, bro. Like life is. is really strange. You know? like so it. so I'm I'm doing history, I'm learning, my readers are learning, they're sharing the history with their kids and their grandkids. Um, one of my readers told me her this is years ago, her grandson did a, a a book report, you know, you know, but there's more than five people in black history, right? Right. <laughs> um, but you'd never know that.
0: Not from public so he, education. You wouldn't know. <laughs> no, yeah.
1: no, you wouldn't even know we had it. Right. But he had done a I don't remember what the subject was. I don't know if it was. the the black lawmen of Indian Territory, or the the black whalers, or whatever. But he's fourth grade, and he'd done this book report, done this report for Black History Month. And his teacher was like, "Where did you get this information?" <laughs> and he told her, "My grandma's Miss Bell books."
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Was so, he reading? Was he reading the book? Yeah, well, you certainly. know, you know, and, I love and, it. and
1: because of the bib list in the back, yes, you know, I'm sure she was able to say grandma was able to say, well, let's get this book and this book and then you can do your, you can do your report. Right. So,
0: mm-hmm. I love it. And it's so important. I hope that, you know, some of our younger listeners who are, uh, you know, listening to this podcast really grab a hold of what you're saying about the power of books and words yeah. and and, and it's and how important it is. I remember as a child, my mom would order books and before I could really read them, she would I, I remember being in the kitchen there and she would be at the sink and she's preparing, you know, dinner. Right. And, yeah. I'm, and she would have me read aloud to her. And then yeah. when I'd get stuck on a word. She'd say, spell it. Right. I'd spell it out. And then she'd tell me what it was and then she'd right. make me say it. And then I'd right, continue yeah. reading. And it was just and yeah, yeah it, it's just and it becomes so much a part of you, and it's just right. such a joy. I could like you. I could just sit by myself and read for hours, oh, just yeah. hours. Just it's and, so you know, wonderful.
1: And for the young people, I do have two young adult historicals, uh, Bell oh. and Josephine, which are very, very age appropriate. Yes, Mama, don't play that. Right.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> but they are historicals for for young readers. Bell is about a um, a young woman. She's mid-teens
0: who right escapes
1: down. north with her dad and they get mm-hmm. separated she's found by the first free black family she's ever met or ever knew about and then josephine is is just the, is the a little sister in the first book she gets her book in the second book so um people have done uh, school districts have done school-wide reads with these books
0: Awesome. So if anybody's looking you about that, okay. yeah,
1: they've done we we did it here and I'm in a mostly white community. OK, um, we did a school wide read here. So, you know, I encourage people to, you know, and one of the things that the kids were asking was Belle, uh, because she's a, uh, she was a slave to a seamstress. And their question was, how come she didn't pick cotton? You know, and you have to explain to them that slaves did everything. They didn't just pick, you know, cotton. There were slaves to lawyers. There were slaves to
0: churches. Were, you know, Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I loved um, one of the things that I learned about was in indigo, and the whole um, that there were whole plantations devoted to the processing of indigo, yeah. and, and how yeah. her, it was how, the biggest was the biggest cash crop before cotton before cotton i and i did not know that and so in reading that book and then learning that um that the women's hands became stained as a result of that yeah but i just love that love story oh my Uh, god yeah and it's still in print you yes. still
1: making mama money from 1996.
0: Oh, it so, it's should. It's just, Thank and I, you so. know, when I talk to people, there are very few people that I know that who don't know of you, but if I come across one, I'm like, yeah. you just gotta, you just yeah. gotta just start with one. Thank you're you for hooked. that.
1: Thank you're you absolutely
0: that. hooked if you start with one, but I want to ask you this question. Right. So on the, so on the topic of the romance, so your all of your uh, romantic, intimate, sexual scenes are very are done very elegantly, mm-hmm. but nonetheless, have you ever received any kind of push? I know you're a church going woman. <laughs> Did yeah. you ever get any pushback in terms of not uh, for just? For, I had one
1: woman, you know, and I shared this with you know. I got three Facebook pages. I shared this with my ladies on Facebook. I didn't share a name. Oh, I got to
0: on your Facebook page. Okay, is it uh, open yeah. or is it
1: a closed group? Um, one's closed, but the the brand page where we have book club and all of that okay. is open. Uh, and you are more than welcome to join us. In fact, we're having the book club once a month. We're having a meeting on Tuesday at nine p.m.
0: This Tuesday, so that's yeah. the nineteenth. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. for yeah. those we're, who are listening, who will be listening, yeah, we're doing yes, Destiny
1: okay. Surrender. I mean, oh, we have gone. Okay. we we're, we're going. We've gone through all the books, like.
0: Oh my know, gosh. Are they five. recorded the conversations? No, no,
1: no. I want to go back and listen to them. Um, <laughs> oh okay. girl, just join us say these women are wild. I just love them. But um what was I talking about?
0: We were talking about the romance scenes. Oh, oh and whether okay. or not okay. you'd ever get away. Oh, the pushback. Kind of pushback
1: okay. regarding I that. got just one letter from this woman. I mean, it was a long letter. Was it? About about how, you know, she she thought. That I needed to write something else because I was making her have unclean thoughts <laughs> by reading the my books <laughs> that she had purchased, right? That were on her ninth stand that she read all the way through. That she read all the way through, and I and I wouldn't, you know, and I. You know, and after I stopped laughing and stopped cussing a little bit, I was like, how dare you? This is a gift from God. Um, I told her, I said, you know, I am a lay minister with the Episcopal Church. And God, God and I are fine. Yes. You know, we're fine. You might want to check yourself. And see what your issues are. That sounds like a personal problem to me. Exactly. but no, no pushback. Um, <laughs> I did have one of my aunts after she read Night's Island, which was the first book um, that she would never eat on my kitchen table again. Because uh, <laughs> my mom had four sisters and, you know, my mom read all my books. Um, but a lot of ladies who don't like, don't not necessarily don't like the heat. But we prefer something that's a little bit calmer. Mm-hmm. Um, love the Blessing Series because yes, there's okay. nothing on the page. It's all off page. Right. I and, mean, you know, Lily and Trent are getting down, but right. you, it's not on the page. But it's, it's not. Off the, page. Right. But but no, I mean, it's, I have brothers at the beginning of my career who sent me letters saying, Miss Bev, thank you. You know, one one brother said,
0: "It's listen, it's a tutorial."
1: It is. It is. Tutorial. He, said, he said thank you. My wife is now. How did he put it? Amenable to other stuff. Oh. I was like, okay, I got you. Uh, a lot of the brothers uh, are reaping the benefits, and you know, Gosh. not just black men, but women, black you know, men in general. Absolutely. And I have to tell you, my books are all over the uh, bookstore. And one woman said she found a copy of one of my books at Men's Health.
0: Oh, wow. (laughs) Well placed? Well placed,
1: -placed, maybe. For some folks who need a tutorial, but.
0: That's so, yeah, that this is so been, funny. it has been
1: quite a journey.
0: Yeah, and I can imagine the, the joy that you get from from getting some of the feedback from your readers, and yeah. yeah, and things like that. Just so awesome. What what kinds of um, what kinds of advice? If you know, some people refrain from giving advice, but if you if you do give advice, what kind of advice would you give for uh, someone starting out? And it, it's particularly. In this genre, but also, you know,
1: general. Just in general. Mm -hmm. Um, To learn as much as you can about the publishing industry. Okay. Um, Because there are a lot of sharks out here who are stealing people's dreams and their money. Wow. I would also tell them to finish the book. You know, spend a lot of time. Well, I'm going to write this book, or I'm writing this book. Finish the book. Um, <laughs> yeah, finish the book. You know, and then you know, because I'm I'm gonna give the keynote at the end of the month um, to the Writers Digest magazine's annual convention. Oh
0: wow and,
1: and I do this a lot, you know, I speak a lot on writing. Um and that's one of the things I stress is that you finish the book and don't worry, that first draft, please don't send that to <laughs> the publisher or agent. The only person who's supposed to see that first draft is you. Your first draft is just seeing what sticks to the wall. Okay. You don't want to worry about uh, plot holes. You don't want to worry about characterization. You don't want, you want to worry about typos. All you want to do is finish it. Mm. Because that finished first project or product will make you feel so good that you finished it. You let it sit for a little bit. And then bring it out again. And that's when you start writing. You start reading it as a reader oh. and you'll see the plot holes. And this is for fiction. Um, I'm not sure about nonfiction because I don't write nonfiction, but I'm sure some of this applies to that. But um, you can see the plot holes. That's when you start polishing. And that's when you start making sure you're using the right words. Um, at a young woman. Some of these young people coming up are just fabulous writers. Oh, my God. And then some of them be like, well, you know. Grammar is subjective. <laughs> no, <it laughs> oh is not. I hear that a lot. <laughs> no, it is not. Um, or uh, one young woman who. Had described her character as being fashionably chic. And instead of spelling it, C-H-I-C. She spelled it like the Middle Eastern chic. Oh, wow. Or another in my last example, a young woman who (laughs) thought scrimps. Oh, no. Was the actual word. I'm
0: (laughs) like, no, 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 no. And do you you know that at one point they were grading the writing of children, quote unquote, holistically and allowing them to make those mistakes. I used to I was in education before I went into law. and yeah. I, I remember a time when they were we were instructed, oh, you're not looking to correct grammar. You just want to make sure that you get a sense that they understand. I'm like, what a disservice.
1: Yeah, because now, you know, uh, the 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 young black women and young black men who are writing fantasy are going to put me in the poorhouse because their books are so great.
0: They're awesome.
1: But then you've got this whole small, and it's a small number, subset, where you look at it and you're like, huh? Or they call themselves Arthurs. And I'm like, Arthurs, Ed Bark, this, no, A-U-T-H-O-R, you're an author, not an Arthur. I saw that in one guy's uh, pinned tweet on his Twitter Twitter page, and I'm like, no,
0: no, 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 no.
1: So, you know, so those are the kinds of things. Those little things that can be easily corrected. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, and don't give up.
0: To be continued. Thank you for joining me, Judge Adrian Loy, here in the No Judgment Zone. I hope you enjoyed our latest podcast. Please follow on all platforms where you access your favorite podcasts. This is Judge Adrian Lloyd and I am Ann's daughter. The views, information or opinions expressed during the no judgment zone with Judge Adrian Lloyd are solely of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent any entity or other individual. The no judgment zone with Judge Adrian Lloyd is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy any of the information contained in this podcast. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to inform and entertain. This podcast does not constitute legal or other professional advice or services.